0: Okay so welcome gang. This audio is going to be about visualizations. What this means is I've had a lot of questions about when we are busy going through process and we start visualizations and some even refer to it as meditations. For me there's a difference between meditations and visualizations. Meditations are much more about being with your thoughts, monitoring your thoughts, letting your thoughts come and go, acknowledging them, just being present. There's many different kinds of meditations. For me, visualizations is much more of an active process. In other words, you're actively engaging in images. You are creating images in your own mind, you're using images that you've seen, or you are literally creating images out of nothing or from thin air. And some of the requests that I get, or some of the questions I get after visualizations, is people come to me and they say, but how can I know that what I'm seeing is the right thing? Well, I can't really see something in my mind, so how do I produce images in my mind? and in the beginning for me this was a strange question because you know i close my eyes and i can create all kinds of scenes i can literally take myself to different countries or different planets if i really want to because the limitations inside your mind there aren't any you can literally go or create anything you want the creation process is at a much much higher level it's a completely different dimension the thing is being physical and living here it's how do we create these visions or how do we create these images in our minds actively and let me just address some of the way that people put it to me they basically say when they close their eyes they don't see anything so even through guided meditations or guided visualizations they don't produce any images in their mind because what they're doing is they're trying to use their eyes to see what they don't realize is even the images that we see they're actually generated in the back of the brain they're not generated with our eyes so if you're sitting listening to this if you can if you just close your eyes for a second Essentially, what you're seeing is black, you're seeing nothing, because you're seeing the back of your eyelids. Now, when you keep looking with your eyes, or you're trying to visualize with your eyes, you're trying to create images when your radiation receptors are closed. In other words, they are covered, your radiation receptors are your eyes. So when your eyes are closed, you're not going to be seeing anything. Your eyelids literally block out the light, or they block out the image, they block out the picture. So even if you close your eyes, and you, let's say you stare at a bright light, or you stare at the sun, Your visual perception will be filled with color. Your visual perception will be filled with red. It will be filled with the properties of the light that you're staring at. But you're not going to get a solid image. You're not going to get the contrast. You're not going to get the colors. So the first step for this visualization process is you need to start using the back of your mind or your back of your brain. In other words, you need to use the occipital lobe, the thing that processes images, the thing that processes all these photons which are hitting your eyes, your radiation receptors, and then all of that information gets stimulated and sent down the optic nerve to the back of your brain. You need to use that part of your brain to produce these images in your mind while your eyes are closed. Now this part is actually important because when we have the perception that I can't see anything when I close my eyes, because your mind or your brain is still, it's actually let's be more specific and let's make a quick distinction. The difference between the physical structure that you're using, which is your brain, and then that ephemeral or that cloud-like thing, that nebulous thing that we keep talking about, your mind, these two things process things differently and your mind is almost like the observer of the physical structure. In other words, your mind is the observer of the brain. It's not the only way to look at it and it's not the way to look at it. I'm giving us a structure to work with while we are going through this process. What I'm going to do here is going to give you very basic techniques and actually very potent techniques and it's ones which I used because at the beginning of my journey, I also started in the place of how do I produce images? How do I start this visualization process? How do I start using what's called active imagination? How can I get these images in my mind and use them to my advantage and do both things? Create an image in your mind or also just see an image in your mind? What we start doing is once we can get to that level where we can actively and accurately produce the image which we desire, those images lead to what we will even call a vision. And we look at vision. When we talk about vision, it's your eyes. What is your vision? Your vision is 2020, or your vision is... And if you use glasses, then the the measurement is different. And a vision is a picture. And if you look at a vision for your life, it's a picture of your life which you put in the future or that you see what your future looks like. And we live into that vision. We live into that picture. Because then when the future or that future state arrives, we can look at it in the present and say, did I live into that picture? Did I live into that vision? So visualization is extremely important. And it has a massive and profound impact on us. And it's also a very important component as we go into Satori. Let me also make something clear. It's not a necessary component. In other words, if if you're not able to see something, it's not a crucial point of view in the sense that, oh my gosh, because I can't close my eyes and see something in my mind or in my head, I'm not going to get any benefit. No, that's not true. Look at it from this point of view. If you've ever remembered a dream, or if you wake up with the the sensation that you've had from a dream, you wake up with a feeling, you've already experienced images in your head. If you have functional eyes, if you open your eyes and you can see something, you already have images in your head. The practice just basically comes from the point of how do you regenerate images? How do you look at an image, close your eyes, and in your mind, imagine it? And If you look at the word imagination, imagination, it's made up of the word image. It's made up of the word picture. How do you get an image in your head? How do you get an image from your brain? How do you get your brain to literally stimulate an image? And then from there, how do you get your mind to observe that image? In the beginning, this might sound overwhelming, it might sound strange, it might sound, uh, or even impossible. You know, we've lived our whole lives and we thought, well, I can't do this. You're doing it every day. Even blind people create an image in their mind. They create an image in their brain. That when they walk around their house, they have a mental image of where the furniture is. They have a mental perception of space. They know that they're moving between space or moving through space. And then they know that if they move in a particular direction, they're going to bump into a phenomena. They might bump into a wall or a couch or a table or something like that. They have the perception of space. And in that moment, they do. They create some sort of map in their mind. It might not look like the one that we have in our mind. And that's the important part. It doesn't have to look the same. You know, if I said to you, think of a camel. You might see a different camel to the one that's in my own mind. I don't know. You you might just see one that's standing there by Egypt just walking across the desert, or you might see a whole lot of camels, whatever it is. Or you're going to think to yourself, well, I can't see a damn camel, Andrew. That's exactly why I'm listening to this damn thing. I can't produce these images in my head. Well, do yourself a favor. If you're listening to this, you probably own a smartphone or something like that, and you've probably seen a camel before. In other words, you know what I'm talking about. You really know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you have the name for an image, and all that it is is you have this phonetic this sound, a camel. And then we give it a name, it's a label, and we attach that label to a picture. We look at this thing, this creature, and in English we call that thing a camel, and this is what it sounds like in English. So language and all of these things also start to bundle together because the vibrations and the sounds of these things give us our associations. Even if you're blind, you can produce images. If you have eyes in your head, you can see. The difference is how, where are you, and what mechanisms are you using. And here's the thing. When I said to you, do you have a smartphone or do you have a computer or even a TV? You can sit in front of those devices and search camel. Do it now if you have to. Go and search images of a camel. Type into Google, camel, and then click on the tab that says images, and Google will start showing you images of camel or a camel. And that's all you need to do from the start. And this is where your practice will begin. The simple way to get your mind to start visualizing or to start engaging the visualization process is repetition. And practice. A personal example that I use is when I was very young. I watched my mom the one day she could click her fingers with both hands, and that amazed me. I was like, I was astounded. Was like, oh my goodness, the, the, you can actually click your fingers and you can click your fingers on both hands. And I couldn't do that at that stage. I just pretty much learned how to click with one hand. You know, not with my right hand, I could click my fingers, but I didn't know how to click with the with the left, and it was literally just was kind of like that. It wasn't even it was very janky and it was very awkward for me. Each of those challenges that came up for me, all that I knew is that if I sat down and practiced it, it's the same way how I learned how to whistle. It's the same way how you learned how to whistle. It's the same way how you learned how to write. It's the same way how you learned how to ride a bicycle, how to throw a ball, how to how to walk. We practiced these things. And it's through practice and repetition of practice that you will be able to do it and you'll get better at it. So the simple thing is, find an image, any image. You could literally sit down in a chair, grab a coffee cup, or grab a magazine, or anything. Even your hand, stare at your hand, close your eyes, and then imagine if you can see it. So now just recreate that image that you've just looked at in your head and see if you can see it in your mind. So let's start at the very beginning phase. Let's pretend that you are one of these people that, that you can't see any images when you close your eyes. Let's start there and imagine that that is absolute beginner. If you've ever had a dream before, that means that you can see images with your eyes closed. When you wake up in the morning, even the fact that you know that you've had a dream, that tells you, you've produced images in your brain that your mind has perceived and you are either the observer or you are observing yourself in a completely imaginary reality. So in other words, the dream took place inside your head, it wasn't in the physical world. Start from this point. Know that that's possible. Know that you've experienced this before. And with practice, it'll become easy. Even when we look at the, the studies of sight and how we develop our sight. As children, when you, watch, when you watch a very small child crawling around on the floor, watch what they do. They're always reaching out for something. They're either touching something. They're moving their heads back and forth. What that's actually doing at that early stage is it's teaching the child what depth perception looks like. Because at that stage, we actually don't have depth perception. We haven't learned what that means yet. Our eyes are what's called stereoscopic. In other words, we look through one eye and we see one image. And in the other eye, we see the same image. But we see that image at a slightly different angle. And because it's a slightly different angle, your brain pieces it together that gives you depth perception. And your brain actually tricks you to not see, let's say, the one image. You only see one image. It's only with practice, if you actually engage in the process, where you can get your mind... your brain to show you both pictures of both eyes and then suddenly everything looks blurry and that's one of the reasons why people have blurred vision now they get a knock on the head and one of two things happen let's say well there's a few things that happen one the eye could actually just shift in perspective so now your brain is used to two images being in these particular places so it's very easy to map them over but if the one eye is now off it's looking in a different direction or the the focus point is, is a little off you actually start to see those two images and now instead of just your brain showing you one image where it's doing the thing that we call delete, distort and generalize it's not showing you the generalized deleted version of what you're looking at it's now showing you both it's actually over time what your brain learns is when you're looking at something what your brain learns is when you're seeing the stereoscopic view you know you're seeing one through one eye you're seeing another image through the other eye it learns to combine them and that's also why we get you know which one's your dominant eye and to find your dominant eye is pretty easy just stretch your arm out and point at something. So you stretch your arm out and you stretch your finger and you point at something, anything. While you're still pointing, all you do is you close one eye and you'll see. If your hand stands still, the eye that's open, that's seeing that image that's pointing at the thing, that's your dominant eye. If you close your other eye and it looks like your, your hand or your finger like kind of jumps in space, it's almost like pointing at something else, that's your non-dominant eye. But that's the two different images that you see. We perceive our images. So far, I mean, I haven't had a completely blind person go through breakthrough of the Harlequin experience and I definitely haven't had a blind person attend Satori because they haven't gone through Harlequin. So we can start with the basic premise that no one's blind at this stage. We have the perception of being blind if we close our eyes and we don't see an image. All we need to do is start to practice. And the practice is simple. Sit with a particular image, sit with a particular object, look at the thing, close your eyes and see if you can just recreate that image in your mind. In the beginning, this will be very frustrating. Just like me trying to learn how to whistle you know, just blowing air through your lips and not making a sound, you're not whistling. It's frustrating because you've got to figure things out, you've got to figure how the muscle pulls, you've got to figure out how this thing works. It's the same thing with me trying to learn how to click with my left hand. In the beginning it was very awkward, the muscles wouldn't pull in the right direction. I didn't have the right kind of strength it wouldn't pull It wouldn't give me the snap i was looking for but over time it's conditioning so i practiced i practiced i practiced and of course without the aid of video you won't see what i'm doing but now i'm able to click with not only my middle finger and my thumb i'm able to click with my ring finger so ring finger and thumb so ring finger middle finger and i can do it on both hands so you'll actually hear four clicks i'm not doing this to show off i mean i can actually I can tell you all kinds of strange things. I mean, I literally learned how to wiggle my ears by doing this. I was literally sat the whole day trying to figure out the connections to the muscles, which actually can pull your ears. And anyone can do this. It's literally, you have the muscles in your head. You just never created the pathway in your mind. It's the same process that people go through that's had a stroke. If they put the attention into that movement, they will eventually do it. Your brain will rewire itself. Your mind will direct the brain. And here's the thing. Think of it from this point of view. All that's going on inside your brain is you just haven't had the connections connected yet. So now when you start with your mind and you start directing your mind towards this process, your brain will start to follow that idea. In other words, the matter will go where the energy flows. So the more energy that you put into making those connections, your brain will follow that path. And in the beginning, it's going to try a whole lot of things. It's going to try and connect a neuron over here. It's going to try and connect a neuron over there and it's waiting for the conscious feedback from your consciousness or from the conscious part of you to say, yes, this is what I'm looking for. And in that moment when you get it right, the more you practice it, the more it will happen. There's a term that we use in neurofeedback and it's very much a term used for the brain. The term is this, what fires together, wires together. And every time you use a particular neuron, it fires across the synapse, it fires between one neuron to the next and because there's a, a jump, a spark, there's an electrical current going from one synapse to the next or through the one neuron to the other neuron that process if you look at it's almost like it's almost like tack welding and the more that you can tack weld those neurons together what happens is the neurons figure it out going we use this regularly so let's make this more of a permanent connection and the more permanent you can make it the easier it will become and the more you use it what happens is that neuron actually starts to grow thicker there's a process called myelination so myelination happens over that neuron it's basically like, uh, let's start it from the beginning from, you know, if you're looking at the felt or you're looking at your grass. If you just walked up and down your grass, if you just walked across your lawn, so you stood at the particular point and you walked from one end of the garden to the other one, you turned around and walked back the same path. By doing that, if you turned around and you looked at the grass, you wouldn't necessarily see a path. It would still all be grass, but repeat that regularly. Imagine if you started, let's say, six o'clock in the morning and you just walked from the one side of your garden to the other side. Turn around and walk the same path back. Turn around, walk the same path back again. Over time, the grass under your feet, you'll see there's a groove. You'll start to see that the grass changes. If you continued, eventually the grass would die. If you continued, eventually it would just be sand. In other words, you just start making a pathway up and down your grass. You can see the common patterns where, where animals have walked or where people walk across the grass or where people walk in the garden. Those things happen and we call it a path because we see that there's regular activity there. This is exactly the same thing inside your brain. Exactly. The only thing that you need is practice. And you need two kinds of practice. First, you need what's called perfect practice. In other words, you do it very deliberately. You're looking for the flaws or the errors, and you're correcting the errors every time. And then you need repetitive practice. I know that practice means you repeat it. But you need to do it consistently. So you need consistent repetitive practice. Let's put that all together. You need consistent repetitive practice perfect practice or perfect repetitive consistent practice and in a way this is exactly what i've just done with you now i've literally said the same thing in a few different ways repetitively i've literally repeated myself i mean the very simple thing of this whole audio all i can say to you is sit down close your eyes and imagine something picture a picture in your head keep doing that until you finally get a picture in your head and you're done The more you do it, the easier it will become. And in the beginning, you'll probably have zero results. Nothing will happen. You'll sit there and think, I'm a dumbass. This isn't working. Or my best one yet is, I can't do this stuff. I guarantee you there was a time that you couldn't walk. You do just fine right now. It's very possible. It's almost to the point of people saying to me, I can't dream. Uh, Yes, you can. And you do. Whether you're aware of it or not, that's something completely different. The thing is, we need multiple points of contact, we need multiple points of context, so I've given you some groundwork behind it, and then you also need some sort of practice, and make your practice simple, make it easy. You can do this at any time when you're watching TV, while you're staring at the TV every now and again when you blink, just blink a little longer, and every time you blink, as you close your eyes, see if you can see the picture that you've just seen, just see it in your head. If you keep doing this again and again eventually you'll start seeing that picture now even if you just keep your eyes open and you look at something try this let me let me give you a different example well let me give you a different technique take a dark object and put it by a window so in other words when you look at the window that's very bright behind the object and then the object is relatively dark and all you do is if you can keep your eyes open for i wouldn't say as long as you can because sometimes we can keep our eyes open a bit longer than we need to But just stare at it until you've stared at it a lot, but try not to blink. And then once you've stared at it for quite a while, as you close your eyes, bring your attention to the image that you see. In many ways, all you'll see is, it's a residual image, you'll see like a negative of what you've just been looking at. So you'll see the outline of that object still in your head. You can use that as another technique. You just repeat that because now you're still using your eyes because it's actually a residual image that's actually on your retina. What's all of the cells which have been receiving that information for such a while and then when you close it, it just keeps that signal, it's almost like an echo of that signal that you see. Use that in, in the beginning if that's going to help you. Stare at the dark image with the bright background, close your eyes and you'll see the negative still stuck in your head and you'll watch it slowly fade. Open your eyes again, watch it slowly fade. Open your eyes again and then this time when you close your eyes and you watch it slowly fade, If you need to, turn your head away and look somewhere else and see if you can just keep that image rolling around in your head. In the beginning it will fade. If you manage to at least get an image, what you'll start seeing is the image will appear and then suddenly other images will kind of rush in or that image will fade away and it will fade to darkness again. Remember, this is a beginning process. This is white belt stage. This is starting from the basics, starting from the beginning don't put pressure on yourself all that you do is you repeat it as much as you can the whole thing is this is if you want to look at it it's what i'd call dose dependent the more you repeat it the quicker you'll get it so it's not a case of someone says well how long does it take me to build a habit it's not a case of how long does it take so you're going to say to me well okay so how long will it take until i can see images in my mind it's not a question of the length of time it's the question of the intensity When I wanted to learn how to wiggle my ears or wanted to learn how to click with my left hand or balance on one leg, I didn't try it once this year and then tried it again like two years later. I mean, that's that's literally pointless. And you know this. It's about intensity. When I wanted to learn those things, I dedicated an entire day. And for me, in the beginning, it wasn't a day that I was dedicating to it. It was just I was going to do it until I could do it. It just happened to be around about 12 to 18 hours. And of course, the next morning when I tried it again, I wasn't a master at it. It just gave me the opportunity to learn that I could do it. And then from there, I could build. It's the same thing with an athlete. In the beginning, they don't start out as athletes. Olympic gold medalists don't start out being Olympic gold medalists. They just start out as some regular Joe. And then they discover a talent and they develop the talent. They develop that thing. And then what they do is they put a lot of focused attention into it. It's that standard idea that to become a master at something you need to dedicate about 10,000 hours. Now you can either dedicate 10,000 hours over 50 years of your life, or you can dedicate 10 hours as quick as possible. It's still the amount of hours. And here's the thing, the ones that dedicate the 10,000 hours in the shortest space of time are the ones who become the best at the time. They become way better than anyone else, even if the hours that they've put in are all the same. So it's about intensity, it's about dedicating this and do this as often as you can. Repeat this again and again and again and especially as soon as you start getting results, leverage those results. And what I mean by leverage those results, once you get one, hold on to it and then repeat that same one. Don't try and move on to something new. Repeat the same one. Do it again and again and again. Pick the same image. Pick one object and see if you can just recreate that object in your mind and then suddenly one day when you go and you you get up and you go to the loo, You know, while you're busy, you close your eyes and watch. You'll start to know that you can actually imagine that object in your mind. And this is something you can build on. You know, you can sit in the chair, close your eyes, and imagine yourself, let's say, walking to the kitchen. You can imagine yourself walking through your house. You can imagine yourself moving through the space that you're really familiar with. And over time, you can start to develop not only getting the sense that you can move through your house, you can also get the image that you're moving through the house. Another layer to this whole deal There is a point where you don't necessarily need to experience the images. What you also experience is you experience the sensations. You can actually experience the tactile sensations. A client who came to me with this very problem quite a while ago had exactly the same issue. Close my eyes, I can't see anything. And I said to him, so what, what happens when you dream? How do you remember your dreams? And what we discovered is his senses came through, his senses gave him feelings. It gave him almost emotions. So what he could do is he said to me, well, I know how I feel. So for example, I know how I feel, what it feels like walking through my house. I know what it feels like to make a cup of tea. I know what it feels like to see this image. And we worked more on that. And we worked through the feeling sensation. So we actually worked through the feeling pathway and created that pathway, used that as a shortcut or used that as a an angle in so that he could build on something. And then over time, the images came and they came slowly. And uh, there's it's, it's nothing that is built to a skill which you can just do it on demand. Again, it's just a process. But he made the progress. Where he started, he had no images. But when we found the fact that he could get the sensation, so he still could close his eyes, he could still get the sensation of picturing a big scene in front of him, he had the sensation of space, he had the sensation of whatever the image was, You know, seeing, let's call it, a pet dog, or a toy, or anything. He got the sensation of it. That is also a lead into this process. And it's also at a particular stage, it's essentially it's good enough. You're still getting the feedback that's necessary. And here's the thing. What he could do when he closed his eyes, initially he saw black and that's how he described it. So he closed his eyes, he just sees black. What do you see? I see nothing. That's what he said to me. And I said, okay, so open your eyes. And then we started with the submarine. I said, okay, close your eyes, picture a submarine. Close his eyes I said, what can you see? He said i can't see anything i said can you picture a submarine he says i think so he says i'm picturing it but i can't see it i said okay and this is very interesting he said open your eyes and draw what you saw or draw the picture that you imagined and here's the deal he opened his eyes picked up a pen and uh, he just scribbled uh, a basic submarine he had the picture in his head and he could draw it on a piece of paper we got to look at the way that we process our images we got to look at these things Stop the judgment, stop the comparison, don't do that. Going into my journey that got me here, there was a particular practice which we got involved in, and the practice was called symbology. And when you dig into symbology, you start creating images for yourself. You start to create symbols for particular aspects of your life. And that whole process for me was completely alien. And what that was is you got to close your eyes and create yourself your own image, your own symbol. And at that stage, I couldn't do it. At that stage, I knew what they were talking about, but I I didn't know what it was like. I'd, I'd never experienced that. And every time I closed my eyes and asked my mind or my brain for a picture, it literally gave me nothing. And I had to create my own system for it, and I had to start practicing it. And through my own discovery and through my own learning process, these were the things which worked for me. Being able to look at something, close my eyes, picture in my head, open my eyes, or think of something, can I draw it? Can I draw a picture? Now that I've drawn the picture, can I look at the picture, close my eyes and see the picture in my mind? And I just went around that again and again and created other processes where eventually I could close my eyes, think of a concept and ask my mind to throw me a picture. And now I can do it on demand. Now it's super easy. Every time I go to bed and I close my eyes at night I ask myself where do I want to go and I could be flying a carpet over Egypt. I could be, I don't know, scuba diving in the deepest ocean. I could just be... Laying on the beach, enjoying a wonderful sunset. Or how about this, I could even lie on the beach without getting sunburnt. I mean that for me is miraculous all by itself. But I can still enjoy those processes, I can actually lie there getting the tactile sensations, of what it feels like to have the sun on my skin. I can actually experience the heat, I can experience the salt, I can experience the ocean, I can experience the sounds and I can see all the images and I can put anything into that image scape that I want. Uh, Even if you want to call it dreamscape or that artist's canvas, I can put anything, anywhere. It's literally my dream life. It's literally my creation. I can do anything in that realm. And so can you. You just require practice. Now I can do it on demand. Back then I couldn't. If you want to break this thing down into steps. First step, give yourself a break. Do not put yourself under any stress. Set your mind free. Start at the basics. Close your eyes. Can you remember a dream? Can you remember sensations from the dream? See where that takes you. If you can, again, just acknowledge it. In a way, this beginning process is more like a meditation process because all you are doing is acknowledging the sensations, you're acknowledging the thoughts, and you're letting them go by. You're letting them go by without any judgment. Very important component. Close your eyes. Can you remember a dream? Open your eyes. Can you look at something? Close your eyes and remember what that looks like. If it's a struggle, put it against some bright light. Stare at it for a while. And then when you close your eyes, just blink a little longer, you'll see that negative image in your eyes and you'll be able to observe it from your mind. And then you can build on that. You can keep looking at that negative image until you can start to color that in. And then once you start getting to that point, you can start creating images. So think of something. Go to your bedroom and think of a book or go to your bedroom and think about the cutlery in the kitchen. Think about a spoon. Think about a fridge. Think about a microwave. It doesn't matter. Think of everyday objects which you interact with all the time. If I said the word tree to you, you know what a tree is because you've seen a tree, you have the language for tree, you have the word for tree. You know you know what a door is because you've got the word for door, you've seen a door before and we know how to match these things up. It's just a natural thing of how we work and you've got to remember we all learnt this. This was not installed in us when we were born. We learnt all these things. We learnt the definitions. We learnt the sounds. We learnt the words. We learnt the associations. Our parents would even show us, let's say, a red door or a green door or a red apple and a green apple. We know what these things are. And these are all images. And interestingly enough, our mind works on images, especially at the dream level. The only common language that it has is image. It's the same as the universe. The universe has a mathematical component, and they say that math is essentially the universal language. In other words, the number one in in Madagascar is still one in Russia. You know, one animal is one animal anywhere in the world. It's math. One is the same. In other words, that's universal. It's the same thing inside of our minds. It's the same thing inside of our brains. What is common to every single human being is when we open our eyes, we see images. Our ears are constantly bombarded with sounds. We constantly hear sounds. We are constantly touching things. We are constantly feeling things. These things are all common to every single human being and then they become what's called archetypal. In other words, they are common and there are things which act upon us without us even, let's say, engaging them directly. Sounds are going to act upon us without our direct engagement. Images will act upon us without our direct engagement. As soon as we open our eyes, we are bombarded with images. As soon as we close our eyes, we kind of shut that amount of radiation coming into our eyes, but we can still have the picture in our head because we've seen these images again and again. When we take these senses away, instantly it becomes apparent of how often we use these things. Instantly it becomes apparent of how important they are. It's the same thing with our eye. We can close one eye. We don't really realise the loss of depth perception because we still see all the images in front of us. It's when we actually put an eye patch over our eyes and then go for a run. Or how about this? You put an eye patch over one of your eyes, especially your one of your eyes, especially your dominant eye, and then do yourself a favor, see if you can run through an obstacle course. See if you can beat the time. So go through it once with the eyes, both eyes open and then cover your dominant eye and repeat that task. Or how about this? Uh, kick a ball against the wall with both eyes open and then close your eye and then try and kick that ball the same way. Or even play table tennis or just tennis or just try and hit a ball. The moment that we take that one uh, component away, we suddenly realize how often A, how, how we use it completely unconsciously, uh, Be how often we use it and because it's so unconscious it's literally just so automatic so it's not in the forefront of our mind it's not top of mind it's not in our consciousness uh, it's actually even what we call in a subconscious or even unconscious let's call it sub-awareness it's just below the water we don't see it we don't interact with it all the time and we don't need to the whole thing is it's about becoming automatic it's about being able to use all these senses uh, without thinking about them If you've got to think about it, it takes too long. So let's revise this entire piece that we've been listening to. It's been repetitive on purpose so that we can get this stuff in. I've repeated multiple ideas from multiple perspectives to give us more context. Also, in here, there's multiple practices. And these are multiple practices to get you started. If you are listening to this and you can create images in your mind, then practice it even more. Use these techniques and see if you can get it even better. The more you practice something, the more you use it, the better you get at it. You know, if you started juggling this morning and you couldn't, eventually when you started juggling, if you just kept practicing and kept doing it, you'll just get better at it. It's just the way it works. Because the place that we're leading to, I'll give you a window into where this is going. The place that we are leading to is the ability to create your own images of a lot of processes which is going on inside of you it's not weird it's not strange everyone actually does it all the time most of us are completely unaware about the process and are completely let's call it numb to this idea and because we are numb we don't realize that we're doing it all the time so we just think it's weird it's not that weird we all do it and we all can do it and if you can do it work with it i mean that's why they call it imagination. It's the manipulation of the physical world through images, and in our mind we can manipulate any images, and we can transform it into anything. All you want to do, if you want to see where this plays out, is go watch a fantasy movie. You know, look at Avatar for an example, or any movie where they use these computer graphics. You know, we we have the imagination to let's say turn a dinosaur into something that looks real on a screen. Where do you think that that started? It started in the world of imagination, and all that we did is we took our imagination, and we put, we took that image and we recreated that image inside a computer, and we used some software, and we used a lot of processing power, and we actually created a completely, um, a completely living, in, a completely independent image. All that we did is we started to get that image to move. We created a completely different monster. We created, you know, we can actually create all kinds of fantasy creatures. And we can give them life on, on the big screen. That's essentially what that process looks like when you've practiced it. It's a, it's a process that you know those artists have used over and over again. And they do have a talent for it. But what they've done is they're almost like the gold medalists of, of visualization. This is their Olympics. The ability to take those images, their imagination, and actually put it into a computer, put it onto a page, put it onto a canvas. Just paint the damn thing. Draw it and then put it into a program that actually turns this thing into something that's alive. It gives it space, it gives it depth, it gives it sound. The only thing that really limits us you know, from the point of imagination is exactly that, the barrier between what we imagine in our head and the ability to bring it to life, the ability to bring it into the world. And anything that we are touching right now, if you're sitting in a chair, that started as a thought in someone's head. Listening to this... That started as a thought in someone's head. We are interacting with thoughts from other people's heads. The TV, TV was an idea. We created it and we turned it into something real. Everything which is built on this planet started started out as a thought. It started out as some small electrical charge. And then maybe the thought became an idea. And then eventually the idea became an image. And that image became a product. And then that product was sold. It's a very basic way of looking at it, however that's just the way it works. I take that this can support you and in essence there's no need to go any, into any deeper or more advanced practices at this stage. Start at this basic stage, start at the bottom, share this information, practice with other people, see if you can close your eyes and imagine those images, see if you can color in those images and see those details. Your main first practice is you want to get it to a point where you can look at something Close your eyes and recreate that thing exactly as it is in, the, in reality. Create that in your mind. And then you can also start to play with it. And I'm, I'm talking about recreating it in your mind with perfect detail. you know, With its flaws, with the light reflecting off it, uh, being able to see it in space and time, being able to see how you've interacted with it before. Start there. Just work with that one thing. Start with one image and, and make sure that it's repetitive. The more repetitive, the better. If you're leaning towards, I'm getting bored now, that's where the practice happens. That's why they call it practice. And it doesn't take much. It takes 30 seconds sitting in front of the TV. Do it, you know, once every hour. Set an alarm on your phone that, that goes ding every 30 minutes. And just every 30 minutes, you're just closing your eyes and imagining something. I mean, how many hours are in a day? How many times would you do that every 30 minutes? Or find yourself a space where you put 10 minutes aside. And for those 10 minutes... All you're doing is these small basic practices and start where it's going to suit you. If the negative image is something that's going to support you, start there. Just do that for 10 minutes. 10 minutes in one day is nothing. Do it for 10 minutes and eventually you will start to see that and you'll start to notice. Your dreams will become way more vivid. All the textures and details that you see will become more vivid. Everything will will start to change from that point of view. You'll be able to recognize it and ultimately you'll be able to create this thing by will ultimately you'll be able to create a vision or an image or a picture in your mind and it'll be very easy and and this is actually what's connecting us to Satori because we do do a lot of visualization we do open the door to this stuff and know this it's also a space where you can still interact with these things because you interact with your dreams you've been interacting with your dreams literally your entire life you've just been using a different sense for it so maybe it's a sense of feeling or it's a sense of You know, just some sort of sensation or it's a concept or an idea that you just got this this feeling that you can sense space or that you can see this thing in your mind, but you don't necessarily see it as a solid picture. You just know that you're looking at that particular thing with your eyes closed or that you saw this thing in your dreams. You're already halfway there if this is going on inside you. If you can dream, which we all do, you're more than 80% of the way there. And oftentimes you're going to discover it's just about crossing a threshold. It's you do it again and again and again and you won't be able to do it and then suddenly you'll actually achieve it or achieve that next level. And once you've just seen it once, just leverage it. Sometimes you slip and then you just wait for that level to come back and once you get it, you engage with it. In other words, you cross the line once, it might take you a while to cross the line again, but then it's quicker and then quicker quicker and eventually it's not crossing the line. You finally get the ability to live on the other side of the line if you want, if that will be your goal. My suggestion is not living there because, you know, you want to live with your eyes open and you want to live in the physical world. You want to live in the reality that we live in. Work with it from that point of view. Start at the basics. Repeat the basics. Do the basics again and again. And when you think you're bored with the basics, start with the basics. <laughs> Do it again and again. And when you think that you've done the basics and you're ready to move on to the next stuff, guess what? The basics are the advanced stuff. Start with the basics. Do that again. Let those images gain some life. Give that image some movement. Work with that. Start at the beginning. Think of it like building a house. You can't put a roof onto something that doesn't exist. Start with the foundations. Dig the foundations, make them good, let them settle. Pour the concrete, let it settle. Then start putting the walls on. Brick after brick after brick, layer after layer, and then eventually, you know, now you're going to put the trusses on and eventually you'll put the roof on. And then you can put the ceilings in and you start to color in the whole picture, brick by brick, brush by brush, floorboard by floorboard, truss by truss, all of those things. It's just one piece at a time and eventually you will get there. It's not about how long it takes you. It's about the intensity, the frequency that you put in. The more often you do it, the more you practice, the quicker you'll get there. And the more you get there and the quicker you get there, the more that this will actually have a bigger impact on you. In other words, the, the interaction that you'll have, it becomes a different interaction. Now you can start to really work with these things. Is it imperative that you have this right or get this down before Satori? No, it's not. I've actually seen a few people do Satori more than once. In the beginning, they actually never mentioned that they couldn't see images. But they did Satori once, they did Satori again, and only after the second Satori, they came to me and said, I'm struggling with this image thing or this, this visualization thing. And when we went through this thing, and uh, each time they've done it, their ability to catch on was very quick. From their very first tutorial, they got immense benefit because it was just through the sense of engagement of, of their senses, of how they perceive things. And then over time, it grew. Go back to rule number one. Give yourself a break. Don't stress yourself out. Work with the things that give you the images. Work with the things that give you the feedback and start there how do you remember your dreams, or how do you process your dreams, all of those things, just slowly climb into that. It's awareness, and the more that you're aware of these things, the more you can engage in them. And eventually, you will get there. I trust that this has actually supported you. Uh, It's full of plenty of information, and uh, I've repeated myself a lot, I'm sure, as we should, as we need to. If this still hasn't landed anywhere, or you're still going to say, but it's still not working for me and you really think that you need something else or additional support reach out to zania let us know and we'll see what we can do until then keep on trucking be good and be limitless take care everyone cheers